Have you ever encountered somebody with a fault-finding spirit? Or somebody who, they were always right, even when they weren't? Or have you experienced blame, and condemning, and shame from someone? Have you looked in the mirror and realized, I have those same tendencies myself? Well, it's that topic that we take up today on The Bible in Life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Bible and Life podcast. So glad you're with me again today. Hey, the big news in my world is this. We welcomed in uh, our first little grandchild, a little granddaughter, Violet Whitaker, just a little over a week ago. And if you're not following me on Instagram already, you should swing on over uh, to my Instagram uh, feed and uh, follow me on Instagram, and you can check out pictures of little Violet there. And we're super excited to to welcome her into the world, and mom, and baby, and dad, and everyone's doing really well. So exciting times in our life as we have officially become grandparents with uh, granddaughter number one, Violet Whitaker. So... Uh, swing on over to my uh, Instagram feed at john.whitaker1969 and follow me there and you can you can see pictures of Violet as well. Just keep up with things related to my uh, online courses, my podcasts, other stuff like that, and what's going on in my world. I'd love to connect with you that way as well. All right. Um, hope you're all doing well. We have a really exciting, important, somewhat difficult and challenging passage of Scripture Uh, in front of us today out of the Sermon on the Mount. And so let's jump right in. We've been working through the Sermon on the Mount. We're actually coming towards the end of that. We're uh, actually approaching the last final kind of chunk movement of the Sermon on the Mount before we wrap things up. And so we're, we're, we're heading towards the end. And let's just make sure we know right where we're at in the flow of thought, all right? The first bit of the Sermon on the Mount uh, after the introduction and setup is to give the, the theme of the Sermon on the Mount, and that theme is unless your righteousness surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, and then what Jesus does in the, the rest of chapter 5 of, of Matthew is to give examples of surpassing righteousness. And so he helps us see what surpassing righteousness really looks like. And then as he moves into chapter 6, what Jesus does is he begins to really uh, lay out some barriers to surpassing righteousness. What are some things that will actually get in the way of us actually acquiring the very kind of righteousness God intends for us? And and the first barrier he deals with is just keeping up religious appearances, looking good on the outside, looking like a good religious person, you know, adding some religious activities to your life and, and really just changing the outside, hanging ornaments, religious ornaments on a dead tree, so to speak. That's the first barrier to surpassing righteousness, just keeping up religious appearances. And then the second one that we looked at in the last two episodes is our relationship to money and to wealth and to stuff and to assets. And and if we're so focused on and worried about material possessions, that that becomes the all-consuming focus of our life and to the point we, we are consumed by it, we think about it, we pursue it, we worry about it, then Jesus says we'll never arrive at surpassing righteousness. And so instead... We need to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and that then will lead to surpassing righteousness, and Jesus says, and all those basic needs of life will be taken care of for you. And so Jesus encouraged us to actually seek first that. Where we're at today in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, we're at the third barrier to surpassing righteousness. And so we're going to look at a barrier that 
man, is just so prevalent, so widespread, and so easy for us to be blind to. We can spot it in others. We have a hard time seeing it in ourselves. Uh, It's something that will affect our relationship with God. It'll affect our relationship with other people. We will never become like Jesus if we don't hear and understand what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 6. So let's jump in. Let's take a look at this text. But before before we do, I kind of got to give you an overview. This text is Uh, both misused as well as often misunderstood, particularly towards the end and how the whole text fits together. So uh, Matthew 7, 1 through 6 is the do not judge lest you be judged passage. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an overview of the text and then I'm going to try to explain some parts of the text and how it works and then we're going to have to just uh, wrap up with a few reflections on this text because it's so significant for our life, just our our whole life and every part of our life, all right? And so this text really has um, works this way. Verse 1 and 2 is like sort of the topic, the theme of this passage. Verses 3 and 4 is an illustration of the problem and what to do about the problem. And then verse 6 is sort of like a restating of the problem that was mentioned in verses 1 and 2, all right? Now, before we go any further, let me just pick up with verse 6 because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about verse 6. And so I want you, I want to read it to you and I want to uh, talk about the common understanding of that text and then say, I don't think that's the proper way to understand it. And I want us to set it in its context here in Matthew 7. All right. So verse 6 says this, Matthew 7, verse 6, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. All right. Now, probably the most common Christian understanding of verse 6 is uh, has to do with like evangelism and sharing the gospel with people and you go and you want to share the gospel with people or you want to share some biblical wisdom with people and yet um, these people prove that they're not really ready for the gospel, they're dogs, they're pigs and then you know they get upset at you and so it's like okay you wash your hands of them, you move on, you're done with them and you'll go share it with somebody else because these people aren't interested in Uh, what you have to offer anyhow, all right? I think that's probably the most common understanding of this passage, and yet I don't think that's what this passage is all about. Um, Otherwise, verse 6 just stands by itself. It doesn't fit with 7, 1 through 5. certainly doesn't fit with uh, Matthew 7, 7 and following, which is about prayer and asking and seeking and knocking. Verse 6 sort of becomes a standalone verse, which I suppose is possible, but I think unlikely. It's probably better to say, okay, how does this fit in the context? And I believe Matthew 7, 6 fits with 7, 1 through 5. I think it's actually part of that passage. I I think verse 6 is actually restating in picturesque language what Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, 1 and 2. All right? Now, it's technical, it's complicated, but I want to make sure you understand it because I think it's terribly important. In Matthew 7, 1 and 2, Jesus says, Do not judge, lest you be judged. Look what happens in verse 6. You're judging people as dogs and pigs, which 
in Jewish culture of Jesus' day, those were two of the worst things you could call a person or attribute to a person. To deem somebody a dog and to deem somebody a pig, that was about as low as you could go for somebody because both dogs and pigs were unclean. Dogs were not cute little pets that lived in your house more often than not. Dogs were kind of gnarly little scavengers that, you know, scavenged around the streets for trash and scraps of food and they were filthy and dirty and unclean. Pigs were unclean animals who were not allowed to be eaten by the Old Testament law. So to, to label somebody a dog or a pig was a form of judging them that was very harsh, very demeaning, and, and really derisive of their personhood, right? So when Jesus says in verse 1, don't judge lest you be judged, and when verse 6 says, uh, label somebody a dog and a pig, you're judging them in a very harsh sort of way. Um, And then what happens in verse 6 and what happens in in verse 2? Well, for in the way you judge others, you'll be judged. By your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you, right? Like if you're going to be harsh, condemning, blaming, judging, guess what? People are going to be harsh, condemning, blaming, and judging of you. That's what Jesus says in verses 7, 1, and 2. And that's what happens in verse 6. Here you are being a pearl pusher. You've got holy things. You've got sacred things. You've got pearls. And you try to give them to this person that you've labeled a swine or you've labeled a dog. And what happens? They trample those things under their feet. They have no use for them. And they turn and tear you to pieces. Um, Don't judge lest you be judged. Right By the standard you measure, it'll be measured to you. And so all of a sudden now in verse 6, uh, these people are actually turning and they're attacking you just like you have labeled and attacked them. So that's the way I understand verse 6 working in the context. All right, Verses 1 and 2 and verse 6 are sort of like the bookends to this passage. They, they tell the problem and the problem is judging. The problem is really blaming and condemning. To judge is not to say we don't have any standards. It's not to say that uh, there's not really behavior that's wrong. We, we, we actually are instructed by Jesus and in other places in the New Testament to be discerning, to be able to identify, man, that's not the right way to go, or all of that. That's not the problem. It's the spirit in which you do it. You're labeling these people dogs. You're labeling them You've got a blaming, condemning, uh, disdaining, demeaning, critical spirit towards people. And in verses 3 through 5, Jesus illustrates that with a picture, a word picture. And so he says this, verse 3, Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye and you don't notice that the log in your own eye, right? This is the, the, the log or the plank. You see a little speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. And you've got an entire two-by-six sticking out of your eye. You've got this huge plank sticking out of your eye, and they've got a little speck. And somehow you think you you can see the speck in their eye, and you're oblivious to, in your own self-deceived, your own self-deceived sort of approach to life, you can't even see the plank in your eye. And and how can you say to your brother, Jesus says in verse 4, here, let me take the speck of sawdust out of your eye, uh, and behold, you got a log, a plank, two by six, sticking out of your eye. Now you're going to go somehow. You can't even get close enough to them to, to get the speck or to see the speck. And you're whacking them and hitting them with your plank. It's never going to work. And so Jesus says this in verse 5. You hypocrite. First, 
take the log. First, take the two by six, the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly how to take the little speck of sawdust out of your brother's eye. All right, there, there is a time for speck removal, but, but first, we need to take the plank out of our eye. Now, what does Jesus mean by the plank? What's the plank? Does Jesus just somehow know that, look, you're just as bad a sinner as everyone else, and therefore, you know, if you go to try to remove somebody's speck of sawdust, well, hold on, you're just as much a sinner as them? That's not what Jesus means by the plank. The plank is the superiority complex. The plank is specifically this judging, critical blaming spirit, this superiority complex that thinks you've got it all figured out. You know what's best for everyone else. You know that person's got a problem. You know they're a dog. You know they're a pig. And they need your holy things. They need your pearls. And you're going to go fix them. That's the plank. The plank is the superiority complex that leads you to look down on somebody, to be critical of somebody, to blame and condemn somebody. That's the plank. And so Jesus is telling us, you've got to remove that. You've got to get rid of that spirit, that way of being towards other people, if you actually want to be able to help other people, if you actually want to help help them grow and change, and if you want to be in the business of speck removal. It starts, it starts with you removing the plank of your superiority complex. So the problem is plank eye. The problem is the way we view other people. We have a vision problem. And that vision problem leads us to to condemn. It leads us to pick at other people. It leads us to, to be quick to get snappy with other people and quick to criticize, right? Um a person with plank eye knows they're right. They can see what's wrong with other people's, and they're, they're quick to point those things out, at least in their own mind. Um, they're easily annoyed with other, other people. A person with plank eye is, is quick to condemn. Um, when we have plank eye, uh, we attack the worth of another person, at least in our own mind. We may not say it out loud. We may have too much discretion for that, but at least in our own mind, we attack the worth of another person. We mark them as rejects, knuckleheads, right? We mark them as idiots or worse. They're, they're dogs. They're pigs. Those are low lives. Those people are such idiots, such jerks, right? And their value as a human being becomes lost to us and we don't see them properly. We we frequently make comparisons with others and we make complaints about others. We find it easy to shame or blame or just distance ourselves from those people because, you know, they're like that. Um, we tend to look down on others who don't measure up. Um, you, have, you have little conversations with yourself where you're just criticizing and running people down in your own head, even if you don't say it out loud. That's plank eye. And Jesus knows that's a massive barrier to becoming like himself. And so this, this is a, just such a common way of doing life. In fact, um, Dallas Willard again says that if we are going to be followers of Jesus, we must abandon the deeply rooted human practice of condemning and blaming. 
If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to remove the plank. We have to get rid of this just widespread, common practice. This is the way we manage people. This is the way we manage relationships. We condemn and blame. And so we have to remove the plank from our eye if we're going to be followers of Jesus. Um, When we have plank eye, we know what other people need. Even when we won't listen to them, and even when we're not invited by them, we know what they need. So we're going to force that on. We're going to force our pearls on them. We're going to force our sacred, holy things upon them. And, and if they don't do it our way, if they don't listen to us, well, that's because they're a dog and a pig. And you can hear in that how our spirit is wrong towards those people. And one of the things you notice in this passage that's so important is this. Jesus says that blaming invites blaming. Condemning invites condemning. Labeling others as idiots, jerks, dogs, and pigs, guess what? Invites them to turn and retaliate and attack us. That's just the way it works. And all of us have experienced that, and all of us have seen that in action. Blame invites blame. Condemnation invites condemnation. And so we, if we would be like Jesus, and if we would actually be able to relate to others well, we have to remove the plank from our eye. Now, how do we do that? Well, I'm going to actually give a whole lot more details over on my uh, patron page at Patreon uh, for my patrons. I, I want to give some real practical suggestions on that. But here, let me just say this. Notice what you see in the text. Jesus says in verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly how to help somebody else. What is that? Since this is a vision problem, it starts with a vision solution. In other words, a little bit of self-reflective humility is the key to removing the plank. A little self-reflective humility is the key to becoming a person who doesn't blame, criticize, judge, and condemn. It's seeing yourself honestly. It's being willing to to see your faults. It's being willing to look at yourself and say, man, maybe I've done something wrong in this situation. Maybe there is something I need to apologize for. It's a little, it's that, it's that self-reflective humility that says, I know I don't have everything always all figured out. And I know maybe I have a part to play in this situation. And so we, we begin removing the plank by taking a look at ourselves and being maybe a little harder on ourselves than we are on the other person. In fact, A.W. Tozer once said, be hard on yourselves and easy on others. Like, be more critical of yourselves, be more reflective towards yourself and push yourself and challenge yourself and be a little gentler and merciful and softer towards others. And that is... That simple action of questioning our own rightness, questioning our own virtue, all of a sudden changes our demeanor, our way of being towards other people, and maybe even being willing to see our own hypocrisy, willing to question, maybe I've done things that I'm not even aware of. That self-reflective humility softens our heart uh, towards other people and enables us to see them with greater humility, greater grace, and greater compassion. And we see them now as people, not dogs, not pigs, but as people, people with needs, 
hopes, struggles, and fears, and hurts that are just as legitimate and just as real as our own. And that doesn't excuse their their bad behavior. It doesn't excuse anything wrong they've done. It doesn't even mean that they haven't done anything wrong. It just means now we see them a little more humbly. We see them a little more graciously. We see them a little more humanly. And that changes our whole posture towards them. And as our posture towards them changes, then all of a sudden we relate to them differently. And what Jesus says is now we'll actually be in a position to help them, to help remove that speck because our posture is now soft, gentle, humble, gracious, and kind. And they're not a dog or a pig anymore. They're not somebody we look down on anymore. They're a person, a person to be treated with kindness and respect and honor. And that changes our whole demeanor towards them. So, if we want to follow Jesus, we must get rid of the plank. We must be done labeling and demeaning and shaming and blaming and condemning. We must look at ourselves with a little bit more self-reflective humility. And then out of that, we must relate to other people. One last little note that I think is terribly important before we wrap this up is this. It's really important to realize this. You can have... uh, No plank towards most everyone else in your life, but you can have a big plank towards one particular person. And so, you know, we need to realize that plank eye isn't just like a a once in a lifetime issue that we deal with. It's an ongoing sort of thing. And we need to constantly be aware of uh, that towards ourselves, and and be aware when our heart maybe gets resistant towards, maybe a little harsh towards somebody else, when a little blaming and critical towards somebody else, and we have to be honest, own that, and remove that plank. Even if it's the it's only with one person in our life, we want to remove the plank from our eyes so that we can see clearly how to relate to other people, so that they become people, not who we condemn or judge, but people who we love in Jesus' name. All right, as I said, I'll have a few more thoughts on this topic, a few more Uh, maybe even some spiritual practices that can help us remove the plank and keep the plank out of our life. I'm going to share that over on my Patreon page for patrons only. And you can swing on over to my Patreon page, uh, Patreon slash John Whitaker, and and you can sign up to be a patron for as little as $5 a month and and come and support the podcast. I would love your support and and help me create some of these online on-demand resources to help people learn and live the Bible. So if you want to be a patron, swing on over to my Patreon page page and uh, sign up there to be a patron and I'll be posting tomorrow a, a another episode, another podcast for patrons only that gives a little more reflections on this very topic. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Bible and Life podcast. We will see you next time on the Bible and Life.